Hey guys, welcome to episode 235 of the podcast with my delightful guest, Julia Rotzi. I hope I pronounced that right. I just realized that I probably haven't said her last name aloud to her ever. So Julia, if you end up hearing this, I really hope I said that, uh, correctly and properly. Uh, I just think the world of this this girl, if you're not familiar with her work, I think you probably will want to be um, once you listen to this episode. And uh, shout out wise, I am behind. And I know that from memory, I want to thank super bad Larry for his awesome email. And I'll have to get caught up on others in the future. But um, hope everybody's doing great. And I will talk to you next time on the podcast. Now entering... Nerdist.com I was like, full disclosure. And I think I even forgot one, which was I was going to say, yes, I am wearing my pajamas. <laughs> um, I feel that it's like, it's, I think they're like, this is sort of a, could be almost like a, an, it's outfit, an but outfit. It's, I mean, it is a lounge. It's very much a lounge it's outfit. Great. Um, but I immediately had to think after you told me about that uh, documentary, like, how is it, how old is this? Do I get, am I getting enough use out of it? Am I, what am I doing? Who's making them? What, what oh, tiny yeah. children like are making I'm like shaming them? everybody, including myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's, <laughs> it's delicious. It's absolutely delicious. <laughs> um, it's tough, man. That's, those are, I mean, those are the things that, <sighs> are we recording? It's yeah. Sorry. Oh, cool. I don't, there's absolutely no intro whatsoever. <laughs> sorry. It's, it becomes very mid conversation. Um, I, I, it's, it is sort of going down that road of like what, in terms of pick your battles, you know, how, how do you remain a productive member of society and make better choices and make more conscientious choices without also like spiraling into a hole of sadness and stress about the state of things? Well, I think it's not, okay. So trying to save the world is like a natural feeling if you're empathetic and sensitive and care. However, I've, saving the world is like a huge task for one person. So I think the biggest thing you can do is change your own life. So like I have a huge problem with hypocrites. I think a lot of us can be myself included. And I think there's a lot of people that like post a lot online and, you know, tell other people how they're supposed to be a feminist or a, or a, you know, whatever, whatever they're, they're yelling about. Right. Right. But then if you were to like rifle through their home, (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you know, you you could and, and again, nobody can be perfect, but like every single thing you do has a consequence. So like where you buy your clothes, what kind of food you purchase. I mean, really where you spend your money is where it all comes down to because money is the root of yeah. most problems. Yeah. Um, so I, I really believe in like, you know, if you're a nice person, like think about when like someone's really nice to you at a store you then leave and you're a little bit nicer to the next person and then they're nicer to the next person. And so yeah. I really believe in those little changes. And so yeah. I, I don't know, like I never want to like preach to other people, but like I just try to live the light as, you know, 
as conscious of a life as I can mm-hmm. and also just be open to when someone wants to give me a note. Mm-hmm. Like my boyfriend is black and I, before dating him, thought that I was really, you know, I was a sociology major and like I thought that I like really had, <laughs> you know, a quality down sure, pat sure. and I was like, look at me, I care, you know, and uh, he has pointed out. Because you don't want to feel like part of the problem. If, no. you're, if you're an empathetic person, yeah. I, I feel very much the same way and I do have that sort of like, oh God, what's all the unconscious stuff I'm yeah. doing? It's like, I not it's not ill-intended, but right. it's, it, am I contributing to something and that kind of stuff? Well, and also being too PC and too whatever, like there's a balance with everything because you also don't want to be the kind of person, I don't want to be speaking on behalf of black people or gay people when I'm not either of those things. Right. But you want to be an ally. I want to be so, an ally. Yeah. yeah. And so he. How long have you guys been together? Uh, about th- almost three years. Yeah. I'm so I'm excited. And I know you guys have a podcast too, which yes. I'm so excited to do. Yeah. So tell us about that in a second. But um. But yeah, I'm I go back to everything you were just about to say. Yeah. No, I was going to say like, like you thought that you walked into it thinking like I got this. Everybody. Yeah. And yeah. it's been really great when he does point out, and not in a bat. He's not angry. Right. Right. But when he's pointed out like hey, you know, like you speak about blah, 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 but you're kind of acting like a privileged white girl right now. And I'm like, uh, I'm Italian. Um, but he's <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, how dare you? But it's it's been really, <laughs> it, in an ideal world, everyone would have a really close-knit group of people that they trusted to be honest with them that were all from different backgrounds because I can ask him questions that I would never publicly ask or things I would, you know, and vice versa with him. I'm his first like serious girlfriend. And so there's been things about being a woman that he's asked that like he, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, you can only learn by asking like dumb questions. That's why I think with people like coming out as like racist and ignorant, it's like, yeah, but it's good because maybe someone in their lives that will care, they'll connect to, and they can be like, hey, you know, when you say X, Y, and Z, yeah, it's really fucked up. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's a really good point. It's sort of how, how much would we rather have something that's institutionalized and that is sort of like not even like you become blind to it unintentionally or maybe intentionally in yeah. some cases rather than – and I feel the same way, and I've definitely done that on the pod. Like I've fully – embarrass myself on the podcast with friends of mine who are, uh, yeah, who come from other backgrounds. Not that I, not even in a way where I think I'm asking something racist, but that I am so that I'm like, and also please tell me if this is racist, yeah. or like, please tell or call me out or like, I want to hear about your experience growing up in this place. And you know, and, and would I have thought to ask X next question? Like, yeah. Oh, you're volunteering something to me that well, I would never even thought to ask because yeah. that's not my background. But also you can vibe that. That's why the internet has been such a blessing and a curse because the problem with the internet is you can't feel energy. So like when you're having a face to face conversation with someone, you can feel their energy. You can tell if their intention is to be a monster or if their intention is like, Hey, I have no idea. Yeah. You know, like you can there, they put their hand on your shoulder. They look you in the eye. There's like all this stuff where you can tell if it's safe or if it's evil. And the problem with the internet is you could say something completely from like a compassionate, sincere, clueless place and then someone's like, oh, I'm going to write a think piece about you. And you're like, <laughs> you're right, like, right. do you remember uh, it was a while back, like Justin Timberlake? I can't remember what the situation was, but he said something and like 
I think it was like a bunch of white people got mad at him because they said it was racist. And then he was like, what? Like, actually, let's scratch that whole story because I might be making uh-huh. something up. But <laughs> but it's just... In a hypothetical situation. Yeah, in a hypothetical... someone says something and you don't... Yeah, you can't contextualize it at all. Yeah. Like, kind of in any way. And so, yeah, that's tricky. And by the way, I do not envy people who are in the public eye in that way. Where yeah. that sort of everything they say and do can be twisted and I'm fascinated by the well first of all that made me think of two things and then I want to get back to you and your boyfriend and your wonderful podcast but (laughs) um number one it's very interesting that you would bring out all this up particularly about the money thing because I'm on this there's like a neighborhood kind of forum board that's like you know 80% great in terms of hey you know I'm looking for a great carpenter because I want to you know build like a bench and I want to hire someone local and like do you have people you like or mm-hmm. you know um where where can I recycle like those sorts is of this things an online board or it's an online board okay. and um and it's just like my neighborhood association you know sent me a link and was like hey we're doing like we're talking about you know our conversations with our city council people and that sort of thing here and um and so this this sort of like using you know actually using something like the internet which can be distancing to sort of create more of a sense of community where yeah. i have a much stronger sense of like who's not just in my neighborhood but in adjoining neighborhoods and like what's going on with the park and things that really matter to me in that way but there also are these sort of like things that i just would never participate in where i i accidentally like i click on a link thinking like oh this is going to be information i need to know and then it it does dissolve into this like weird catty political like people just like you know trolling each other and stuff 20 percent still 20 percent is a lot but to me but you know so there was this whole conversation about a store and where like a store that had donated money to prop eight which was anti-gay marriage and the vast majority of the people in this forum were like, oh my God, it's so great to know that. Or yes, I did know that and I'll never shop there or whatever. And then there's this one voice that comes in and he essentially did, I mean, he's, I've now come to understand through this thread that I started reading that I got sucked into that he is like a shit disturber and that he consistently tries to sort of be the devil's advocate, Mm -hmm. but in like a semi-aggressive way. But he did sort of go off on like, well, you know, he he essentially said, you're fascist if you choose not to spend your money with a store because because you don't agree with their ideals. That's like you're trying to stop the free market or something like that. And everyone was like, that's not what we're saying at all. Um, But he did say like his next go to, which is very true, was how how do you like where are you going elsewhere and do you know where they put their money because there's a lot of stuff that you're buying every day that you're putting your money towards that you're paying utility to that is doing a lot of questionable stuff and just because you know that this smaller mom and pop shop ish um put money towards something you don't agree with like are you confident that you can say that about all these other places that you're going instead right which is a very fair question and unfortunately i think that part got lost in the stuff that he was saying that was not as sound minded and was like more, you know, it was a fashion to make people kind of get angry. Um, But it did sort of stick with me. And it is that sort of idea of like, well, where, where you put your money has so much to do in our, in our world, in our culture, American culture with where, what you're supporting unknowingly or knowingly. So that was very much on my mind. Yeah. And then the other thing was, I mean, just the idea of like being a person who is going to like, you're in a position where everything's going to be looked at with a magnifying glass and this whole thing that we're going through. And I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about our president, but 
just the idea of like these big questions that are being asked about truth and the news mm-hmm. and bias in the media and fake news and all that kind of stuff. Um, just to imagine being a person who would want, who would be comfortable being like, yeah, I'm going to put myself right in the crosshairs of all of that conversation. Like I'm going to, everything I say is going to be analyzed makes me sick to myself. Like I just can't imagine being that person who's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going for it. I'm going to talk big. I'm going to say this or, you know, being like any, anything like that. It just feels so anxiety inducing to me because I'm like, I'm always learning and I'm always apologizing and I'm always trying to get better and I'm wrong a lot, but I am willing to be wrong because I'd rather be that. But like, but that's your contribution. Just have that under a microscope would be so stressful. But But you're, but I think that means your contribution is to remind people that it's okay to not know. No, like I think that's another thing is that there's this I you're it's almost like you're not allowed to say mate like honestly most of my answers to things are maybe I don't know sort of like I there used to be a time where people could be moderate like I was never registered on any political party until this past year because I felt like I had to I was always an independent yeah. I always kind of just like went with my gut like mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden it's like you have to like there's like it's like a sporting event where like you have to pick a team. And like, you know, I watched my dad, who was always a moderate, really fall far, not far. He's not, you know, right wing by any means, but he definitely has embraced more of his conservative side because he's an Italian immigrant you know, he's not PC, he's 75 years old. And, you know, he'll use, he'll make a joke, and be like, oh, what, what do you think, I'm gay? You know, like, he'll just make a dumb dad joke. Yeah. And, like, when I was home a few months ago, I, like, I, I caught myself, because I was like, daddy, how could you say that? Like, I, like, got, like, so, and, and he got, he was like, Jesus Christ, I can't say anything. And I was like, oh, my God, this isn't my battle that I need to pick. Like, none of my, I was like, and again, I'm sure there's somebody that would be insulted by that. But like most of my gay friends were like, your dad's not like, my dad's not a bad guy. He's just, but he has felt this like, he, I feel like a lot of this has pushed him out of being moderate for the time being. I think he's very, he's too smart to not kind of float back. No, this all is very, like it all sounds very familiar. Yeah. I think that's happened with a lot of people, particularly people of a certain age group, right? Yes. That there is this sort of like, well, no one's listening. Can I not say anything now? Yeah. Those sorts of things. I totally understand that. Like without being attacked and it's like, you know, I have to remember a lot that like, you know, my parents are the ones, they didn't go to college. They paid for me to go to college. They really supported me throughout my life. They wanted me to be a more, evolved enlightened experienced person and do the things they couldn't do they would never have encouraged me to become me if either of them were shitty you know what I mean so when I so the the last time I went home I decided to have another conversation with my dad about politics and instead of like I didn't talk very much I just listened and I just watched him go from like yelling buzz terms to going back to moderate and being like, you know, it's just been really tough because I feel like I've worked really hard. And like, and he was, and I was like, just doing a lot of like hand on my heart, hand on his shoulder being like, gosh, that must be like really frustrating. And like, it makes me almost want to cry because I just, I realized that, you know, we all let our, it's very easy to jump to rage. And I, and I'm not saying I a hundred percent agree that like some people need to be the yellers. Like you were just saying you wouldn't want to be that. 
I'm glad that there's some people that want to be the very outspoken because everyone has a role. I'm glad that there's people that want to camp out at Standing Rock and own a tent and are like, I can't wait to go to Wall Street. Like, that's not me, right? But what I really like to do is I really like to have conversations with people that are different than me because I think that I'm pretty good about being like, huh, never thought of it that way. So like everyone serves a purpose. And then to go back to the money thing, like that guy is right. Like, but I think to try and make sure your entire life is being lived by the book would drive you mad. So I think if you can pick a couple of things, like two of the things I really, I feel like I can control is I can really control where I spend money on food and where I spend money on clothes. Watch the movie, The True Cost on Netflix. Uh, it'll change your life about clothes. And and those right now feel manageable to me mm-hmm. because and I, if that becomes enough of a habit that that feels like second nature, then maybe then then take something else on because then exactly. it's like okay, let me adapt this new thing because I life went on and, yeah. and I'm okay and I don't feel anxious about it anymore or like this is a thing that I just got into the habit of and it's a positive habit and so now I'm going to take two new habits yeah. on that are productive yeah. in that direction or like whatever. the food thing it was because I watched I think it was like Food Anchor and I started re- like that was like. I don't know, four years ago. So for the past four years, I've really, I not major changes, but I just ask more questions about where my food comes from. So now that's second nature. Now I just watch this documentary about clothing. Yeah. So I'm like obsessed with learning about where my clothing comes from and only supporting ethical companies. Mm-hmm. And in a year or two or whatever, when that becomes second nature, then I'll add another thing. That's and great. it's like, you just your whole life is evolving into the best person you can be. So when I guess when I meet these people, I don't know that are just so righteous about it. It's like, yeah, but your fucking cutesy feminist t-shirt you're wearing. What did a, a woman with no health benefits chained to a sewing machine in a third world country make it? Then you're an asshole, you know, like don't tell me how to be if you're not being whatever. Yeah. That was the most non no, 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 no. Don't tell me whatever when you're whatever. That's when my boyfriend would be like, you're a white girl. Uh, okay. Questions. Uh, so you're first generation American on both yes. sides. Both yeah. Parents? Both my parents came here on boats separately from and both from Italy. Italy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And do you have siblings? I have an older sister. This is like a weird older. rapid fire section. I've no, no, no. Invented. She's uh, four years sister. older. Great. She's a therapist married with two kids in Boston. Great. Uh, your parents totally cool with your boyfriend being black. It was, um, uh, at first when I was younger, it was an absolute no. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you stay, even though my dad always hits on black women, it's such a weird, that's funny, unlived life thing. Um, uh, but uh, they're still together, but he still hits on women all the time. And, uh, <laughs> that's so funny. you know, and uh, uh, yeah, it, they were, you know, uh, hesitant at first. And then I kind of just watched them be like, it's been really cool to watch them evolve. They're totally fine with it now. Yeah. He's great. So, you know, I would rather, I guess I would rather, I mean, listen, I'm standing on the outside, like picking and choosing what response I want your parents to have. But in a way it is cooler to have, to see something evolve than to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My parents felt exactly as they did. They accepted him immediately. And then someone else's parents never accepted it. It's like, well, wouldn't it, it's kind of beautiful to be the parents that evolve rather than like, yeah, yeah nothing changed about how they felt. It, they've had no impact it's had no impact yeah. on on anything it's like well that's great because that's exactly what you're talking about that sort of 
yeah. the potential for personal interaction to help evolve people at all stages of their life into like, oh, this is personal now. And this is something that I can see right in front of me. That's like, this is great. They're yeah. happy and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. a lot of, you know, my parents or most people when when they have a fear I mean, it's really fear. It's not coming from like a place. There's a, again, it goes back to that thing. There's a huge difference between someone who's fearful and someone who's hateful. And I don't believe that many people are hateful. I really don't. I don't, I don't, some are, and that's really unfortunate. And I also think hate can sometimes be a mental illness. I, I mean, I don't know. So I'm sure someone's going to write a think piece about that. But because um, everyone's writing think pieces about uh-huh. me all the time. I don't know. <laughs> just so many. Uh, um, yours is going to be titled, Don't Be Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, like, you know what I mean? It's like, um, but, <laughs> but yeah, they just, it was actually my boyfriend that I think was a it it made me fall in love with my boyfriend more because basically what happened was we met I immediately was like oh my god I've never I never even considered this because of this like old sort of notion from my parents but as I've gotten older like I've been divorced I you know don't live near my family like all the things that they were always afraid for me to do I did it and then everything was fine yeah so I sort of just trusted that that would happen again and so when we first started dating I was very upfront with him and I remember some friends were like why are you telling him this it's gonna make him feel bad I'm like because he I want to protect him and so I was like look my parents are like old school Italian immigrants you know he's like let me guess they're not into you dating outside your race I'm like yes and like I was like you know and he he was like look I don't believe they're bad people there's no way they could have made you if they were you know and he's like and then he made me feel better because he was like my grandparents were hesitant about interracial dating absolutely because his his my parents are a little older and like they're a little closer to his grandparents age and I was like oh really he's like yeah black people sometimes don't want there are kids to yeah, date white people all the time. And I was like, Oh, in all kinds of groups for, yeah. And, 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 the, and, and to your point, like how c- can you look at experientially? I think that's a word. Why <laughs> those things exist. It's very rarely from a Nazi perspective, which by yeah. the way is also fear based. It's just habit. But it's like, but and, and, and there is also a sense of like, you know, that, I mean, that's how I felt. Like I was so deeply offended when I dated Jewish boys in high school and their moms were like, I don't want you to marry. I mean, like you're going to still marry a Jewish woman, right? Like you're not like, yeah. you get this out of your system now. But some of them were openly not super happy about me. And I was so horrified. I mean, I was, so, and I was so angry about it and right self-righteous about it. I was like, excuse me, not to them, but yeah. to my, you know, whoever that boyfriend was. And it's like take one step back and take a hard look at why those things exist. Yeah. It's usually not like we're not talking about like, well, these people lived in a beautiful crystal castle and I'm the servant and they're worried that da, da, da. it's like, no, their whole history that they watched their family go through and like all these yeah. kinds of things that contribute to the idea of like, we need to protect this religion and culture and way of life and you know, solidarity, like all of those things feel very important to, uh, on a very basic sense, like a survival of something that you, that you care about or that yeah. you've grown up with. So it's totally understandable. Well, it's for, like, I'm not the enemy. You're not the enemy either. Yeah. I mean, for my parents, a lot of it was they have done 
they're very protective. You know, there have been times in comedy, like, you know, my mom's like, oh, do, you know, oh, do you have to, this is a contest. My, what if you lose? I don't want you to be sad. Oh, you know, like yeah. there's like this protectiveness. So their minds are like, yeah, but like, you know, they're old school. So in their minds are like, you date outside your race. Your life's going to be harder than if you have a kid. Yes. Like they just want to protect yes, you from the yes, pain. Yes, right. Yes. And when they, you know, when you kind of break whatever and then you like do it you know it's just like um you just gotta like throw them in the situation and then they're like oh this isn't that bad right so it was really cool to watch that yeah and um I'm really proud of them yeah I mean I know that I might sound that. silly to no, other people it doesn't people, sound silly at all I think that's wonderful it just it proved to me that like it's never too late to yeah. learn something new I would not love that more. Yeah. What What were the guys that you were dating in high school like? Like, how much interaction did you have with your parents and them? I didn't really. Well, it's okay. So it actually in high school, I didn't have any boyfriends. Uh, Where'd you grow up? Belmont, Massachusetts. Okay. So like right outside of Boston. Okay. But there was one guy that was black that I wanted to go to prom with and that was when I first learned that my parents weren't into the idea but then he ended up uh not even asking me and um breaking my heart but uh, hey, great great <laughs> so it worked well, out we've got him right here yeah, could you come yeah. in here please um so my parents were thrilled uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um so I didn't know there wasn't really a lot of interaction in high school and then college um I mean I was pretty much I didn't you know, like most kids, I didn't really understand. I didn't know how it all worked. It just would be like, I would like hook up with someone and be like, are you my boyfriend? Uh Um, and then my first serious relationship was with, um, my now ex-husband who I'm still friends with. Mm -hmm. And he was very white. Mm -hmm. Um, where like I felt, you know, like like, it's so exotic. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I was like the crazy loud Italian. Uh And, um, and yeah, that was really it. I mean, he was the first one they met and then we like stayed together forever. Mm-hmm. So that was it. There, so yeah. there wasn't a ton of interaction with my parents and guys, but okay. they... Did they have strong feelings about like whether you could or shouldn't date when you were still living at home um, and as a teenager? Not, I don't know. Never really. I mean, it was def. Okay. There was definitely like do not have sex. That was like a huge thing. Do you don't remember? And did you, and did your, was your relationship with them such that you were like, Oh, I better follow that. And I believe it. Or were, was it like, I don't know if these guys know. Um, right or wrong. I, it, it, I mean, my attitude about sex when I was a teenager was like, I was terrified to get pregnant. So that was like the big thing. And God, then, and I wanted to be after having done like, you know, giving someone a blowjob and then them not talking to me, I was definitely like, okay, well, if I'm going to like potentially put myself at risk for getting pregnant, because I just assumed you could immediately get pregnant. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure they at least liked me. Uh-huh. So that was really up my standard. Uh-huh. No, but I mean, that's, <laughs> I think that's a really interesting, I mean, that is a, that is sort of a, I don't want to say it's like a trope because that makes it sound t- like tired, but, and not real, but that is something that there are various ways you learn about sex and versus relationships versus and so for some people it is like they had absolutely zero contact with whoever whatever sex they were interested in they had zero sexual contact with them in junior and high school junior high too sure um and then there are people who you know sort of dove in and then found out like oh there's something like I'm having emotional feelings about yeah like that you know I, I that sort of like like maybe this doesn't maybe the maybe maybe this is the way we go about having a relationship and then being rejected in that way yeah. by doing something sexual then there's like 
oh, like I had teenage friends and college friends who were like, oh, I have a very open sexuality and I, I don't attach anything emotional to it but then they would anyway like that i would have girlfriends who would go into hooking up with someone going like i don't give a shit and then the like routine would be like i haven't heard from him in two days it's like well sweetie you said yeah you didn't care and you didn't know him and you guys hooked up and now now you do care um and on both sides that would happen to me with guys and girlfriends yeah and so like there's all these different ways right that you can sort of find yourself getting acquainted with like the way what your relationship is going to be to sex and sexuality and so yeah it was like a very horny like I would hump the shit out of my beanbag chair like uh-huh. as a kid yep. um you know I was definitely uh kind of always like excited like I was excited to do sexual stuff mm-hmm. yeah and I did it was just the actual intercourse part to me was like pregnancy 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 so that was something I held out so I was it was right before my 20th birthday that mm-hmm. I hooked up with slept with my then boyfriend but um uh my parents I mean I I guess I grew up in you know my mom my dad was my mom's first everything and then they got married and so there was they didn't my parents didn't under my mom at least didn't understand dating so I remember as a teenager and a young adult looking at friends who had had like a year-long boyfriend, then another two-year-long boyfriend. And I'm like, so let me understand. So you guys just don't talk anymore? Like, I just didn't understand. Mm-hmm. So I think that was part of why... And my ex is lovely and wonderful, but it probably should have ended way sooner just because I think we needed space to grow up. And sure. I know I definitely did. Yeah, But we just kind of stayed together because I was like, well, he's really nice and I have no reason to not be with him and this is kind of what you do. You like meet someone and then you're with them and that's it. So when I got divorced, it was really interesting because my parents were like, Oh, that's an option. (laughs) (laughs) Like you can do that and the world doesn't fall apart. Like I think, you know, without (laughs) sharing too much of their personal lives, I think they were both like, Oh, yeah, Yeah. they're fair. You know, they're old and, don't they're they're just exist you know and it's also like and 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 they're so again in terms of like there's no right way for everyone it's so it it is like marriage like anything else I think is you know like it's so hard to tell from the outside and and often from the inside like when to let it go or this side because because I feel like you know I have family friends and uh, uh, my grandparents I don't know like my grandparents were my well, my both my sets of grandparents were together till the day they died. You know, like that generation, very common. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also felt like they really loved each other. Like mm-hmm. I didn't ever get, and maybe that's just not what I was exposed to. You know, I would never hear that they had problems. I'm sure they had plenty of problems, but they like really still loved each other and loved their lives together, and were you know devastated when in each case my grandfather died before my grandmother not a surprise there either but um really sort of devastated you know there wasn't and and so you don't know like what marriages do last through the things that are really difficult that would break another couple up and then they they're stronger on the other side and they are glad they stayed together and which parents there's just no it's so individual you know what I mean so like they're it could be that they should have given up long before and like, but maybe they would have been one of those couples that like suffered through something that felt unbearable. And then on the other, came out on the other side, yeah. like looking at each other, like, thank God I, you know, we did this and we stayed together. I don't know. It's just so hard to know. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah. So Do, were you, what were you, uh, what were you super into when you were in high school? Were you, um, so like a music su- kid? Did you love, um, did you even like school? Like what were, what, what, what? I, okay. So I always wrote a lot. Like I wrote like a lot of poetry and huge journal keeper, like forever, forever. Yeah, do. I don't um, anymore. Do you? Um, every now and then I'll yeah, write something, but I'm also so much my writing now. And I have to remind myself to sometimes not write on a laptop because handwriting is such a different yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but so much, I feel like of what would go in a journal is now going into like podcasts stand and sure, stand up and sure. book proposals and yeah. whatever. But, um, I think that's an amazing evolution. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but so I always, definitely always wrote, um, and I really liked to draw, and I loved comedy, like specifically sitcom, like Three's Company, you know, that whole kind of, from then on, you know, I watched yeah. Benny Hill when I was like two. Uh-huh. You know, I just, I loved like kind of naughty, mm-hmm. like I loved Porky's mm-hmm. and all that. Mm-hmm. I was like, a, I was, I'm like a like a per, I was like a pervy kid you know like like you I know. was too for sure yeah like, like I, anything I could get my hands on oh was yeah like, these guys know those people who have listened to the podcast uh more than a handful of times probably at this point or even like other places where I've talked about it I had like a very intense sexual crush on John Larroquette from Night Court like <laughs> real intense like nice. real early you know what I mean yeah. I was not like Corey Haim you know yeah. what I, mean? I was like, I want that full grown, lustful man nice. who loves staring at woman's boobs. Yeah. Like what's going on there? Mine was, um, <laughs> I guess mine was maybe a little, well, mine I guess was weird for a kid, but not for adults. Mine was John James from, he was on Dynasty and then the Colbys. Mm, okay. I've never he seen was any like, of those. But, but my, I used to watch soap operas with yeah, my mom, yeah, like yeah. again at like age four, like I sure. shouldn't have been watching them, uh-huh. but um, like in national lamp uh, or European vacation, there's like so much boobs uh-huh. and I just was like, yeah, uh-huh. like I <laughs> me too, for loved sure. it. Um, sure. Me too. So I definitely, my sister and I like, you know, like made a lot of, I, I always was, it sounds so cliche, but like I was always the one like being like, oh, I'm going to put on a show and like, but it was always comedic. Like I was, my family's very funny like it has been our survival method a hundred percent like we've gotten into vicious violent arguments and then someone's cracked a joke and then everything's been okay and I'm so grateful for that because it just it's helped me like bring light to dark so Mm -hmm. much because I have like I think you know not to go back to the president but like part of why I can't stand on policies aside is like he has no sense of humor I just like humor is everything you know, to laugh at yourself and have self-awareness. And so, so yeah, uh, really into that. And like, you know, I did some theater, but a lot of the theater that was happening in high school was uh, musical. Mm. And now I feel more confident with singing, but I was not, I would like crack and crumble. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really good at lip syncing, did mm-hmm. a couple of those. But um, yeah, so I, that was what I was really into. As far as like academics, it was such a bummer because I now feel like I'm more into academics. Like if I could do high school all over again, I'd probably be an A student. At the time, I was like a B, C student, except yeah. for like, I loved my psychology class. There was like a senior year psychology class. I loved humanities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, and I love math now, mm. but in high school, I just like kind of decided I wasn't good at it. Mm-hmm, it's such too. a weird I mean, you're like a child, you know? Well, I think once, I think there is this kind of, 
and I could be totally wrong about this, but um, the, if you're somebody who does get excited about stuff and you know what that feels like, then that it can be very confusing when, like for me, it's like I can sort of look back and register my interest about certain subjects based on like how excited I was to go to those classes or how yeah. excited I was to go to those. If I had felt a flat line pretty much about everything, if it had been like universal across the board, like maybe I wouldn't have thought I was bad or good at math, but I definitely didn't feel excited about math. Yeah. And so I, tr- I didn't try very hard. Yeah. And thus I figured pretty early on, like, eh, I'm not good at this. And it doesn't make sense to me the way writing a paper makes sense. It doesn't make sense to me the way uh, like understanding American history makes sense like it just didn't feel frankly I think I like maybe kind of what you're describing but I, I wanted I was like real interested in people and the yes. and, and artistic things that were about emotion and because it, math didn't stir anything in me I was like oh I'm terrible at this even history though sense? like yeah like I I've, made, I've never had a good memory it, I mean it's gotten worse I've gotten older and smoke more weed but like I just and so studying for like a history, like I, I couldn't, but then there was a like AV club that started. And so I did that and not, and I also worked on like the yearbook and I was, uh, I did this article for the paper. Where I'd go around and ask people questions of the week. Think and like, piece. Yeah. Like, yeah. Think pieces. Where I'd be like, these people wearing too much Benetton sweatshirts, <laughs> but like, you know, but I, I would really get into that stuff. And again, this is no one's fault. But because I didn't know at the time that that was as val- but I wasn't being graded. Like I loved my extracurricular activities, but I wasn't being graded for AV club or yearbook or any getting poems in the literary magazine. Yeah. And so because those were like, I think maybe without the pressure, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I really excelled, mm-hmm. but I didn't know to work hard in that because I was like, yeah, but I'm getting like B's and C, you know? So it, it is, I th- I mean, I don't know much about what schools are like now cause I don't have children, but I feel like things have changed a little bit and there's more opportunity to kind of find the right school maybe for your child. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I, I sometimes feel bad for young me because I think I could have, shown a little bit more if I knew that that was an option mm-hmm. um yeah all the things you're talking about I'm thinking like god you really deserved credit like actual <laughs> on paper credit for all yeah. these things you were doing because I wasn't I mean I, I I wasn't like I certainly didn't write for the year but there wasn't a lot of extracurricular stuff that I would have signed up for except for theater you know what I mean yeah like, I just wasn't I, I joke about this, but like still when I flip through old high school yearbooks, I am blown away by the amount of clubs and stuff that was going on that I just had no sense of whatsoever. Like it would take the yearbook for me to flip through and be like, oh my God, Andy was in that club. Uh, there's a chess club. Like I just didn't, it felt like, why would I do anything more to do with school than the bear? And I was a I mean, I graduated second in my class, so I, I was not like it was not an incredibly great school, all due respect. But, <laughs> but I mean, like I wasn't. Where I was did you a, grow up? I was in Tucson, Arizona. But I was like, I was a really good student. I was also like taking a lot of drugs and stuff on the side. But cool, it was cool. an easy enough school that like, and I'm I was smart enough that it was like great. I could do all of these things. Um, but I, but I, I would I, I I just I knew what I was excited about, which was theater, and beyond that. I didn't have a sense at all of like, oh, I should engage in this or like, oh, this is cool. Oh, so the yearbook gets made by students. Like I just wasn't present to that. I certainly had no time or interest in sports. And so 
I, I look back now and I'm like, God, I wonder if I could have let myself be passionate about some of these other after school activities. Like would I have, you know, also enjoyed those and been great at them. I don't well, know. it was such, you know, this is something that I've felt for a lot of my life. It's gotten better as I've gotten older, but what was such a bummer though was so I was doing these like side things and I would like do them and then kind of lose it. But like, I felt very passionately about like writing and act and like, and not so much acting, but performing. Mm-hmm. Like I just loved and interacting and all that stuff. But because the cool, what it seemed like the standard for high school was, was you join a sports team, you get a varsity jacket, you go to this party. I so badly wanted to be a normal, whatever you think right. that means at the time, high school student. Yeah. And on top of that, because I had these immigrant parents that were kind of weird and overprotective, well, I thought were weird and overprotective, but I wasn't immigranty enough to be like English as a second language right. foreigner kid. Right. But I also didn't fully feel like I fit in. I mean, I really started to flourish, and this kind of goes back to race and stuff. We so Belmont, Massachusetts was like you know upper white middle class. Mostly. I was going to ask about that too. Yeah, if your parents were immigrants. Often there is like a community of people that they are drawn to. Or well, their into. whole both their families, they all, their whole entire families moved. Like my mom had six brothers, my dad had two brothers. They all lived like the next town over. But gotcha. in our town, they would there was Metco program where they would um, you know kids, some kids from inner cities would be able to go to our school. Um, cause our school, my school was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, like, I was always really funny and like a lot of the, I hate to say white, white cause I don't mean to, but you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. just sort of preppy what would be like, you're, um, like, kind of like weird, like, you know, or like annoying. Like I felt like that, but then black kids and Puerto Rican and like Dominican kids were like you're funny oh you like to dance and like I really felt like that was when I started to be able to be more of myself Mm -hmm. because I could I don't know they I didn't feel as judged when I was being loud and goofy and like you know I love it just it was more I felt more accepted in that world and then I befriended my friend Maria who's still my best friend uh her parents were also Italian and she felt so we connected but when I think back I'm like like I was on field hockey and I hated it <laughs> I did softball and I I mean I hate my mom would even be like I will not come to your like you hate this right but I thought that's what everyone else was doing uh, whereas yeah. I would have rather been home writing poetry yeah but nobody was like high-fiving you when you want like wrote the coolest poem uh-huh. <laughs> You know, like it's just give you that high five. Yeah, thank I was you. Definitely doing it. Yeah. But it was this there was this really beautiful thing that happened though in high school that's like, you know, so cinematic that I'm sure I'll do something with. But I so you know, I wrote poems all through high school and wrote a lot and was like this funny kid and da 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 and I felt like I didn't get credit or whatever. And um and then this poem that I wrote about like growing up was in like the literary magazine, but like no one really read the literary except for like the literary people. Mm-hmm. So then at graduation, unbeknownst to me, the principal read my poem, like didn't tell me he was going to do it. And he was like, you know, I just want to read something that really captures every like all the parents were crying. My mom still talks about this is like her proudest moment. She's always been like, you're just the and my mom's really it's really cute because my mom is really eloquent with her broken English. Mm -hmm. And um, I definitely got that from her. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it's it was such a satisfying way to leave school where it was like, Oh, 
it, this is appreciated. It just wasn't in the like what I thought I was supposed to do. And it's been such a theme in my life, like even with comedy and this career sometimes like I have when I'm in a bad headspace, I'll look at what everyone else is doing. I'll be like, well, they did this, this and this and I should do those exact steps. And Boy, because I haven't, yeah. you know, because I haven't had a, a bit on this show yet and mm-hmm. I haven't done this and there's something wrong yeah. and completely ignoring all the wonderful, unique things where it's like, that's what's going to bring you the community that you want and draw mm-hmm. the people in and your audience because yeah. you're being true to yourself. I'm just trying to follow everyone else. It's like, it's still, I haven't changed that much since high school. Yeah. Like I'm still like, Oh yeah, but that's lame. Like I should really be doing, um, yeah. you know, a half hour special. And it's yeah. like, what? I know I really get it. And I think that's, it's, it's funny because it just goes back to that idea of like the people who are drawn to the creative side of what we do. Obviously, I'm not speaking as much of like an entertainment lawyer or like somebody who is passionate about being an agent mm-hmm. and like making killer deals and stuff. Yeah. Um, not to just like lean into those cliches, but uh, is like it's very difficult because it's the word that there's a lot of really sensitive people who get pulled into something like this and feel like, oh, this is my passion, but there is still so much uncertainty and there is so much like soft underbelly to what a lot of us do. Oh yeah, and you know certainly that's true of comedians. But then within a within comedians, you're you're absolutely right. It's like there are people who are just like super ambitious, and I, I some of them I. I mean, I, I look, I don't know to each their own and I, I don't do stand up, but I know what I respond to as a as a person watching comedy, mm-hmm. which is also incredibly subjective. I do feel that I see people who have become extraordinarily successful monetarily and in fame and I don't find their comedy honest or I, for me, for me, I yeah, for I me, agree. I can't connect to it. It's not my cup of tea. Um, and then I, and then the people that I respond to are that to me, it's like, oh, there's an authenticity here that is like undeniable. And that's what I felt about you when I saw you on stage, you know, I was like, you you know, I just, I just thought she's going places, you know, and that's, and so if, if it were up to me, you know, you would have whatever you want now because Aww. I don't feel, but I don't feel, Give it to I me. Definitely- <laughs> <laughs> and then I throw you hear me slam you against the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. She really means it. Um, <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't like, I, I, I can't, but I, but I, from the outside see that idea of like, well, where's your comedy central half hour yet? Or where's your Netflix special? Or where's your, like, yeah. what's your, and I just can't, I don't, I'm just like I don't that doesn't feel like it needs to be the way for everyone yeah and it's not even just career wise I mean I did that with relationship like I was like okay I guess this is what I do I meet the guy and I I should get married right now and I should like I should have I think shoulds are one of the worst things in the world they they plague every like I mean I've I'm better you just constantly get better and this might be something I deal with till I die because maybe this but like shoulds always ruin my life (laughs) like they ruin my fun like I should do this I should live here I should be doing this I should be more like that like it you know so like in high school I was like well I should have a boyfriend and I should like just be on a sports team and like I like I desperately wanted to be a cheerleader and I tried out every year and I never made it because I was like I should be a cheerleader because cheerleaders are cool and like all that stuff and it's so funny when you then after high school, when your world expands and then you run into people from high school. I recently left Facebook because I like 
didn't want to keep connecting to people that uh-huh. I don't. I still have a fan page if you want to be my fan, uh-huh. but I just didn't want to engage in conversation. It's just all the shit that yeah. Facebook is. And, um, but it's so funny when then like people would reach out and be like, Oh, I always thought this of you in high school. And you were always so like, you know, funny or you were always so sense. And like, you're like, what? Like, yeah. Oh, I didn't, maybe I was more myself than I realized, but I definitely tried to contain it mm-hmm. because it didn't feel you wanted to just be like cookie cutter. Yeah. You know, God, the shoulds, the shoulds. That's a great. That's going to be good. You could call that something like you can write a book or you can write a book. Oh, of it's in my book. Shoulds or, yeah. Oh, it's in, I'm working on it. Okay, yeah. good. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, and that's the other thing I was going to ask you about um, is this sort of, uh, I feel I, f- I don't feel like this anymore but when I first was here especially just kind of being in LA in L- L- when I first was in LA um, and when I was kind of being like when I was more a part of the sort of like variety like again I don't do stand up but the sort of like variety show alternate all like alt comedy kind of UCB world um, I very quickly felt like all of my sensitivity and stuff there was like no place for it like it was all about being acerbic and being and like shitting on stuff and like Mm -hmm. making fun of shit is like sort of that's the you know which does also feel weirdly very high school when you define yourself by what you're contemptuous of instead of what you're passionate about yeah and the only thing you're passionate about is like someone else who's contemptuous yes (laughs) but um but I feel much more now like there's a place for all of that but when I was thinking about you doing stand-up and thinking about also your relationship to poetry I was thinking like god poetry is so uncool um, yeah in certain ways as is as it relates to comedy right like in some weird way there's like a whole universe of this like perception in comedy which makes you wonder like does anyone really feel this or is it just this, this weird sociological thing that's been propagated that's like well, poetry's for like softies and we make fun of shit. So I don't feel, and like, I just don't, I don't feel that as much anymore. And I'm so glad, but I think I was like, it, 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 I think for me, it took other girlfriends of mine who were also very sharp and in, well, listen, I just called myself sharp, but like women who were in comedy who were very sharp, who I was also finding out had these that were like, you know, really like, oh my God, I cry all the time or, oh my God, I love love reading, you know, uh, Mary Oliver poetry. And like, I was like, oh, this is still something that I can be into. Yeah. Speaking of shoulds and sort of going like, oh God, that's so great. And then as I've gotten older, just that, you know, privilege that people talk about all the time which is that you just start to give less of a shit about what is a should and what isn't hopefully that will continue to happen and you know what I mean like you well, should I think it's a balance though so when I I because I feel that way too like there's been times where I held back because I'm like oh this, this is corny you know or mm. like I'm being too sincere or whatever and I now I don't know if you know I always think that everyone's thinking the way I think. I'm like, well, now that I think this, everyone thinks it, right? Uh-huh. You know, but you design your own world, so yeah. this is true. Yeah. But I, it, you know, what I said earlier about um, having a sense of humor. I think there's like a balance. So it's like, okay, not everything has to be like that's lame, right? But I also do think there's something I don't like it when people take themselves too seriously. So like any yoga teacher that I've loved, agree. Like I, I'm obsessed with Tara Brock. I do her meditation lecture podcast, and what I love about her is she's a Buddhist psychologist, and she's so 
funny. Oh, I better write this down. Oh, she's amazing. Tara Brock. I, and every podcast I go on, I'm like, please, I need to meet her. But she, but she has torn open my heart, yeah. like in such an important way and has helped me become more authentic and more, you know, conscious and all this stuff, but also made me laugh. Yeah. And so I think that's where the balance comes from. Like, yeah, there's a time and place for, you know, like, yeah, lame Right. But I also think there's, it, you know, I agree. I completely agree. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I think there is, there doesn't need to be, well, it's sort, doesn't of, be the, so heavy. It's sort of being the independent, right? In the yeah. political spectrum of, you don't feel don't feel soft and sweet about anything or don't make fun of anything ever because you that's not authentic and that's you're protecting yourself it's like no there's a place for both of those things and I feel and I bet you feel this way too that on any given day I can say something mean it from the bottom of my heart shit on it five minutes later laugh about it and then an hour after that be crying over how sensitive and sweet I am like proud of myself and then make fun of the fact that I was like congratulating myself for being sensitive because yeah, you're all a human that feels being. important yeah you're a and comp- it all feels valid and important and yeah. it feels it feels rich it feels like a like you know like how lucky yeah how lucky to be able to have all of those perspectives and to be able to be humble and to be able to sort of flip back and forth and and feel like that's kind of fleshing out the whole picture of the way you see the world yeah i mean i've been having so much fun lately on stage trying to talk more about that stuff I haven't perfected all the things I want to say like it's a process but I've been really having fun like making fun of activism making fun of hypocrisy making fun of feelings making fun of depression like I you know like just last year I finally started using the word depression for because I used to always be like oh I'm like sensitive and a little anxious and like I felt safer in that and once I finally said it and like handled it and like went on medication and like actually gave it a place to live I can now go back and think of some of the things I did as a teenager and a young adult and be like oh that's not because I was like wrong it's because I was depressed and I didn't think that I was allowed to be like I would be like I'm fine like you know that high pitch totally whatever and so I I mean my favorite compliment that I get after a show like of course I love when people tell me I'm funny I mean I I know I'm funny everyone's funny I really do everybody is funny yeah to 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 someone yeah (laughs) um I love it when someone says oh my god I I felt so connected when you said blah 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 like oh my god I felt like I was just hanging out with a friend that is so that comes across so strongly in your sets too I mean again I did not like I I produce a comedy festival. I I, I didn't like hunt someone down <laughs> of the 200 plus shows that we yeah. had. Honestly, if I, because I, I didn't know you, there are a yeah. bunch of people whose work I love that I've had on the podcast or I, um, you know, I've just done stuff with cause they're in LA or whatever. Um, but I, I seriously was like, uh, the show's over. I need to immediately introduce Aww. myself to Julia. I can't wait to podcast her, you know? Um, and I have not forgotten that I want you to talk more about your podcast. Um, but, uh, there's two there's two uh, outstanding issues that I want to cover with you before we get into this mash game that I play you know mansion apartment oh yeah 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 into that but um uh but but that was all yeah that was totally like that was so clear to me and it and it was why I loved your set so much and why I was like oh yeah she's she's got it like she's figured it out and so whether or not you you always know exactly how a joke is going to get framed obviously that's something you continue to work on no matter what but your voice as a comedian. I think is like 
crystal clear and it's so oh, appealing that's and so nice to hear when my boyfriend and i when i was like as i'm like yeah i'm scheduling this podcast he was like oh who's coming over today and i said julia and he was like oh wait julia from san francisco and i was like yeah you know like the attic because oh. that part of your bit is your set is so funny and Thank it's you. just so it's just great and so he, immediately he was like oh yeah that was great oh. you know what i mean i mean it's taken me and you guys are just gonna have to find uh, a, an opportunity to see that to know what that is in reference to. Guys. So sorry, uh, it has taken me so long. I think to f- like I. I mean, I started the first time I ever spoken to a microphone on stage and told jokes was my senior year of high school just on like a whim like there was like a talent show thingy with the theater department and my best friend maria was like you should do stand-up i'm like gross like i didn't like stand-up as a kid i was I like boring like i, I liked i wanted to be helen roper i still want to be helen roper yeah. like i want to wear a muumuu and be like i'm horny you know <laughs> like that's what i want to be yeah um so it's great that i want an older lady part and but i you know uh I, and I, you know, I kind of, I always, I had one toe in and one toe out with stand up specifically because, because of what you were talking about, because the hardened part doesn't appeal to me because oftentimes I felt too sensitive because I would be like, I don't feel like doing comedy tonight. Like I struggled a lot with that because it, I wasn't a kid that grew up watching stand up. I just was a kid that grew up liking to explore feelings yeah. and relationships. Yeah. And so for a very long time, my relationship with stand-up was like, I love it. I hate it. I love it. I hate it. And it was because I kept trying to like mimic what I thought I should be doing with mm-hmm. comedy. I quit a couple times. So like when people ask me how long I've been doing it, I'm like, I mean, as myself, about eight years, but I tried it yeah. many years ago, not right. to discount my earlier career, right? but I feel like I had two careers because it really wasn't until I feel like the past three years Mm -hmm. that I got to this place of like, Hey, I might start crying on stage, but I mean, I'm not going to really start crying, but you know, like, I, but I think there's this idea of giving yourself permission. Yes. Cause that's how I think I have gotten through anxiety a lot where I'm like, you know what? Like I, like I did when I was on this, comedy cruise thing um that was wonderful so I don't mean to like discount it but uh there was a point at which I was really seasick and I had to go and be a part of a panel and I was so obsessing over whether or not I was going to like have to run out of the room that I made it this huge deal and I was sitting quietly because I hadn't been asked anything yet and then like someone asked me something and the first thing that came out of my mouth was like so anyway I'm gonna answer this question but if I drop the microphone and run out into the bathroom it's because I'm seasick so <laughs> da 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 and it just felt so, like as soon as I said it yeah. I knew I wasn't gonna be seasick I thought you were gonna say as soon as you open your mouth I threw up yeah. I just threw <laughs> up everywhere it was great it was liberating no but I mean like my I have a lot of anxiety more so than depression like like these guys know like a like very certifiable like you know some really rough times with anxiety especially when I was younger but that headspace where like I'm lucky enough to have an active enough brain that I can have 60 conversations going on while I'm performing something or whatever it, it that idea of like the should of like oh I better seem really polished or I better not like I can't do this or everyone will be whispering about what's wrong with me and I'm you know and just to be able to say like god I'm so motion sick right now like I don't know what's gonna happen it turned out that 50% of the seasickness I was feeling was the anxiety of the seasickness that I was feeling. And as soon as everyone kind of laughed and I was like, Oh, it's fine. If I have to run away and puke, like everyone will understand that. I knew I wasn't going to. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so that idea of like, maybe I'll start crying on stage. I'm probably not going to start crying on stage, but fuck you. Maybe yeah. I'll start crying on stage. You well, know? and it's also this idea of like, you know, being authentic and like, which is just a hard, again, I think it's a lifelong thing yeah. because you're constantly learning about yourself. You're constantly changing, but you're still you at your core. That's what I mean. Like I'm still that kid. Yeah, me too. And it's been really interesting because my, my, I have two nieces and the youngest one, Felicia, so my sister, they're like pretty much the older one is very much like my sister. The younger one's very much like me. It's they're like two sisters are like us. And my mom and my sister keep being like, oh, my God, Felicia was like, so she doesn't care. She was doing a show. She's just like you. Oh, you should have seen her. She's like so. Fun. And they keep and And it's so weird because sometimes it almost makes me a little sad, if that makes any sense. Because I'm like, oh, and it's so great for her right now because she's young and she's not worried about bills and no one's told her that she's weird yet. And she's just like my parent, like my family is right. Like I am just like her. But a lot of that got affected Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. by life. Mm -hmm. And lately I've been trying to go back. Like she's been reminding me to be like goofy and fearless and just like she's so sweet but funny and like I you know when you're being not yourself and you're trying to do these things because you should the opportunities that present themselves to you are also going to be unauthentic so when you're being fake on a date you're going to have a fake new boyfriend and that relationship's going to fail if you're being weird on stage and you get booked on a gig it's gonna be a like you know it might be temporarily okay but it's not gonna have longevity and so I'm just learning that like the more authentic that I can be it might be taking me longer Mm -hmm. it's taken me a very Mm -hmm. long time but I believe there's longevity with it absolutely because I'm not wasting so much energy being fake absolutely and now I have all this energy to just be me yeah also i'm glad listen i am the first person who's gonna say i'm glad that no one like i'm i don't want to have peaked early like i i'm I'm glad because that does happen it doesn't always happen i'm not saying every person who you know has tremendous success at 25 isn't going to hold on to it that's entirely possible i personally am glad that it has taken me the amount of time that it has to have whatever tiny monicum of success I've had. I, I would rather be looking forward and being like, maybe it's only going to get better. Yeah. And like to be able to go like, boy, I really thought I had it figured out and I was doing so great at 30 and now I'm just yikes. Was that it for me? Like, yeah, I don't want that either. So great. Let's, let's, let's peak late. Who cares? Yeah. Be Mrs. Roper. Do you know what I mean? Uh, now that takes me back to this, which yeah. is good because this will then segue into it. This is my little weird patterning of uh, how this is going to go because I am very aware of the time. Um, number one, <laughs> uh, when you were a horny kid uh-huh. and the access, the primary <laughs> access you had to, and I'm asking this for personal reasons because I know <clears throat> somewhat of what my answer would be. Did you ever think that you were gay or that you were bi or maybe you are bi or or or, or you don't have to label oh. yourself at all? But here's what I'm saying is I was so into tits because that's what was out there that meant yeah. sex. And uh, that has a tremendous amount to do with like, you know, a patriarchal culture and the way that sex is yes. delivered to you through the media. Um, <clears throat> so I'm just wondering if you ever had that like if you if you <clears throat> had experiences with girls or you don't have and by the way you can be totally private about any oh yeah no, no i totally but, do you know what i mean or yes. if like uh, it was it, that, that's just that's a sort of like non-question 
that's a general idea of like, yeah. if you're a young person, as we both were like very horny kids. And <clears throat> what I'm still interested about myself is like, was I interested in this idea of like naughtiness and the f- naughtiness always played out, seemed to primarily always play out with guys looking at naked women or knowing that this was exciting to someone else was exciting to me by virtue. Oh, like there's just an interesting yeah. sort of, I mean, that's like a whole human sexuality podcast. You and I could start together. Yeah. But I'm just Ooh. curious if you have like a, a, like a quick, like a, sort of small I never thought of it that way and I think that's really interesting well okay I don't know the firm answer (laughs) firm wieners but um (laughs) I do I mean yes I okay so when it comes to sex women do turn me on but I know I don't I, I, I wouldn't say never, but like I, for a minute in college, I thought it was a lesbian as many of us do. And I hooked up with a girl and it was fun, but I was definitely like, where is your penis? Like, so I yeah. knew then, and again, I, none of this is an absolute, but I, I, for Julia Rossi only, yeah. I, yeah. uh, tend to want to date men. Um, but I have hooked up with women and I find, you know, definitely when I, if I watch a dirty movie, it's usually there's more women than men in it. Cause, but I also think that goes back to, and I've read some things about this. Yes, it might be your point. Cause that's really interesting. I never thought of it, but also women are tend to be more sensual, like a guy, like, penises are like nah, here it is you know like it's just like i think they're magical i love my favorite thing is a grower uh-huh. not a shower oh uh-huh. that is like that is god's creation i think it's so i don't understand it i think it's so fucking cool i mean i would take a grower over a shower uh-huh. than a big dick any day because yeah. i'm just like this is a miracle you know <laughs> like where did you go when you were soft um i mean i love it but i think that you know women they're curvy and their bodies are interesting. And I, I think that's why, and again, it might be a cultural thing, but I think that's why like women who are bi curious are more accepted than men who are. And so I don't really know the, I don't even know if I'm answering your question, but, um, I don't know. I mean, there is no right. Or yeah. Wrong like I was yeah, definitely kind of like a, it's a real mulling sort of a question. That's not really a question. So, but, but I think the overall thing that turned me on and still turns me on is the naughtiness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, because I, I remember, and this was like a new thing for me. It was a few years ago. I was on the subway in New York and I watched two men and I don't know if they didn't know each other or if they were a couple and playing a game, yeah. but they did like an, I, I oh, so hot. Yeah. It's two like gorgeous men and they were doing like an eye contact thing. And then like one of them licked their lips at the other and then they left together. And I was like, oh, I want to watch them fuck. Yeah. And I, and I was like, oh, and that's, that was just cause it was sensual and sexy. Yes, 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 yes. So I think that's the answer yeah yeah that's great that's great yeah outstanding and since you have the willingness to kind of talk about that stuff and the sort of interest in people and their relationships i and i assume you and your boyfriend found that in each other and yes you decided to do the podcast and kind of about that stuff so tell us about that oh yeah so we have a podcast will miles is my boyfriend he's a great comic super funny he uh we have a podcast called hopefully we don't break up where we just it's real simple we just talk to another couple Sometimes they're comedians, sometimes they're complete non in the entertainment world, like pretty much any couple that's been together at least a year that's willing to talk and hopefully 
isn't like at each other's throats for yeah. the whole hour. Yeah. But they're all, you know, it's been poly couples, gay, straight. We had a trans couple, you know, right. um, everything, right? Yeah. Will's parents. Um, and yeah, it's just been really fun because like my background was, you know, I went from like no boyfriend to like married to like long term dysfunctional rebound boyfriend that was like a liar and all this weird stuff mm. to like single for the first time ever in my 30s and yeah. like loving it yeah. like totally killed it met him he had only been a whore uh-huh. <laughs> and then I was his first girlfriend yeah and so we really have this like unique like well I don't know what I'm even though I've been married I don't know what I'm doing he's yeah. like well, I don't know what I've been doing yeah. and so that's just that's it's great yeah it's just like no one knows what they're doing so let's yeah. just talk about I it I love it I yeah. couldn't support that and love that more okay I'm gonna get into this mash game um my categories uh well first I'm gonna start with uh, I, I think I've been like overthinking because you said so much great stuff that I, I in the back of my mind I was like oh no where am I gonna go with this mash game because I try to tailor it a little bit to the person so uh, to buy myself time I'm gonna go with I never do this but this is uh the category I'm starting with is my one that I make sure is in every podcast which is in our reality uh obviously there are foods that are not great for you for one reason or another in this alternate universe mash reality you can have as much of it as often as you want, it can be something that is like you can't ever get because it was the one ice cream that you had in France that one time. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this world, snap of the fingers and it's actually like nutritious and good for you. And you can just have it in perpetuity with no physical ramifications. Three. Three foods like that. Mm-hmm. Um, pizza from Belmont Pizza. Right. It's so oily. <laughs> um, oh, it's so oily. Love and I'm it. also lactose intolerant, so I can't really eat it. Um, okay. What this oh, game is for. Oh, God. Uh, what's next? Um, I guess like, uh, like a bake, like a sandwich with lots of bacon and aioli. Mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. there's a burger in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But see, even in this world, I'd still want it to be like grass fed and organic. That's so, like the juiciest, filthiest burger. Right. Um, and then I guess the third, uh, boy, um, what is my third favorite food? Uh, what? Um, I like watching, um, people, I like to see whether it's like a mix of sweet and salt, like mix of sweet and savory, or if it's all savory, sometimes it's, it's gonna all, be all savory. Okay. Can, I guess the next would be the fattest platter of antipasto oh great like doused in olive oil great. with like a like so it's a platter and it's got like a baguette <laughs> yep yep um yes, olive oil indeed. to dip in yeah. olives marinated yeah. mushrooms artichokes salami great. prosciutto great all of it great perfect okay. fantastic uh you're gonna be just fine at this next one is uh, the <laughs> traditional mash question of the sort of alternate universe partner sex partner somebody that it could just be for naughty times uh or it could be like oh my alternate universe wife or husband or whatever uh-huh. um three and it could be like a character from a book or from a movie it doesn't have so to be not like, including my boyfriend not well i mean listen if you want to throw him in there it's totally fine with me this is your mash game all right let's throw my boyfriend all in right, there great. Well, got him. You heard that? Um, oh gosh, it's so funny. I don't really get my crushes like last in the moment, and then they kind of disappear. Understood. I'm the same way. I think. Um, Although I still can come up pretty easily with. I think. I don't think that they're consistent from day to day, but. Okay, so I need two more. Uh, and like I said, it could be that you're like, oh my god, this one character that so and so played in this one movie. I just want to fuck their brains out, but like that's all I would want from this. You know what I mean? From this reality. 
it's so funny because as a side note, I will have that and then I get over them like a breakup. Like, did you watch the show um, Awkward on MTV? Mm-mm, but the, I know it. The I mean, love I, interest? Yeah. Oh my God, I wanted him so bad. And then when I stopped watching the show because the season ended, I was like, no, we're done. <laughs> it was like the weirdest thing. But I like was like, I need yeah. this. <laughs> Um, oh, I'm going to be so fucking cliche and say Ryan Gosling. Yeah, it's fine. And why don't we throw in... Oh. And it can also be like reigniting a crush that you had from... Like, you don't feel that way about the person now, but you are like, if I could go back to how much I wanted that person at, you know, when I was 12 or whatever, that's also like perfectly acceptable. Um, like I probably would like throw John Lerichet in into mine just for shits yeah, and giggles. I I guess I'll then if we're gonna do that, it would be um, Brett Michaels, the lead singer of Poison. Even this though I don't feel that way outstanding. anymore. No, I love it though. But when I did, Re- I did. just reconnect. This will be you reconnecting with the feeling of how you felt about Brett Michaels. He represents something. Uh, okay, next is um, a place to have a vacation home anywhere in the world, uh, and it's like teleportation to get there you don't have to like deal with a long flight or whatever three places okay um let's do italy great uh hawaii great and uh australia great okay three alternate universe like skills all it could almost be like a profession if it's like oh i'm a fashion designer in this other universe or it could just be like um you know you can play piano really well or whatever but three sort of alternate universe skills that you would oh have. fashion designer great definitely great um okay uh therapist great well, therapist slash like perfect. Like I just want to wear like a lot of scarves and linen. <laughs> great, great. And sit cross-legged. Yeah. Turquoise. Um, and then I guess the last one. Uh, uh, oh, I know. Um, like news reporter, but specifically the segment at the end where like, have you been wronged by this yeah. tire company? <laughs> I've, I really get into justice. street justice. Yeah. Great. A justice it. reporter. I love it. That makes me want to talk to you about some other stuff offline. Um, okay. Uh, next next category is, uh, well, let's do, maybe this will appeal to you then, because I kind of like doing this. Three styles from any time in history that it is utterly impractical for one reason or another for you to get to sport around. But like in this reality, it, no one would blink twice if you were wearing a corset, which by the way, was also really comfortable or men's clothing and full drag or X, Y, Z, something like uh, that. Mine's going to be boring because it's all stuff that I probably do wear but like i mean non-stop moomoos great like Agreed. helen roper uh, non-stop 100 percent agree yeah. i mean i have like four but i just i would like to wear them all the time yeah. um then i guess i am mm, so boring i don't know don't you dare listen you know what i'm hearing from you right now some shoulds yeah you're right you're right i this should is for like you. this okay. is for you um i also do kind of dress like this too but i'll just say it like Full nonstop like hip hop tracksuits. Great every day, great, great, great. all day. Great. And then I guess the last would be go like a go go outfit. Oh, great! Sure, booty shorts and like tall yeah. boots. That's great. And nothing about this is boring. And also, who cares? Uh, fantastic answers. <laughs> I'm like still uh, trying to replace fantastic. Ryan Gosling with someone. <laughs> In the back of my head, I'm like listening, but I'm also... If you want to throw it out, if something hits you, also the characteristics of this game are like two hours from now, you will be like, oh, why didn't I 
just say? But, yeah. Uh, that's part of the game. Okay, three movies that you can jump into and just interact with the characters, be in that world, can be, you know, fantasy-based, can be crime-based. You're not going to get hurt inside them. It's just sort of like getting that all over you. You know what I mean? Uh, National Lampoon's European Vacation. Great. <laughs> 100%. Great, great, great. Uh, uh, I guess The Godfather? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Boogie Nights. Great. Oh, that movie's so good. So good. Um, okay, perfect. Uh, next category is let's do um let's do pe- just people like somebody from history or someone now that's like almost like a, a little bit of a mentor, but you know, not in a way that you're totally deferential to them, but you could just call them and be like, Hey, it's me. And they'd be like, Oh, Julia, what's yeah. up? And then you could just tell them anything and you'd hang up the phone being like, ah, that was, that was great. I feel so much better. Like three people like that. Again, living or dead doesn't matter. Buddha. Great. Um, Tara Brock. Great, Please. Great, I mean, that could great. be possible. If she's great, listening. Great, great. Oh, I don't want to say Oprah, but God, I probably would. Let's put Oprah. I mean, listen, she's a very special woman. She is. I can't believe I was like, I don't know if I want to talk to Oprah. (laughs) (laughs) You're worried. You think it's a cliche answer. You couldn't be more wrong. It's great. These are great. Uh, but also you don't need reassurance from me. So fuck you, Janet. Okay. Um, and then next, then last one is, um, for you. Oh, three television shows that you can go live in and just be in and be with the characters. Us, the Rise Company. Great. <laughs> the Golden Girls. Great. And, uh, let's see. What my third Let's do um. Let's do a dynasty. Oh, great, 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 great! You know what's funny? This is a little side note, but um, I never watched Designing Women. Really, I just had an awareness of it. But I, my feelings about Gene Smart now. Oh, you're very. You would think I was a huge fan of that show because every time I see her, I'm like, Gene Smart, everybody, she's the best (laughs) of the best. So great, Designing Women, right? Right. (laughs) And then if anyone were like, "What was her character's name on Designing Women?" I'd be like, "I have no idea." No idea. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, okay. So then, the, you know, with a mash game, it's like I do a little squiggle thing that helps me figure out what this mash feature yeah. of yours is going to contain. So just tell me when to stop. Stop. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pause this, do a little bit of this and that. You okay. do a little bit of that. Yeah. I'm going to come back and let you know what you ended up with. Okay. Listen. There's some great stuff in here. There's some great stuff in here. Now, I admittedly, it's funny, but like when I when I form an emotional attachment to someone's choices and I'm like, I was like, <laughs> so stupid. You know when you like feel like someone just came up with something because they needed a third thing or they say the middle, th- like I've started it. I've done so many of these that I, and I've never gone meta like this before where I talk about this process <laughs> ever. <laughs> But I, which is a bit, which is a compliment to you because it means I don't want this to end. But I've done so many of these that I think I've developed this like sense of like feeling sorrow when someone loses someone I know they really liked or oh, a no, thing they boyfriend. wanted. Yeah, you definitely didn't get him. 
what where it's like a thing you want or yeah or it's like oh I, I felt like they easily had this answer and then they had to struggle for the other two whatever it was so I did have that but ironically I did not have that with Will because I was like it's fine in real life she's got him so yeah, I'm not worried maybe. about that Let's see who it is so. but this is the this is the the two places where I really felt like a twinge of like sincere sorrow were when you <laughs> When you got the Godfather instead of European vacation. Oh. <laughs> I had an emotional response. Yeah, I didn't really want the Godfather. I know. I felt it. And I felt really bad. I was like, oh, not okay. European vacation. I really wanted that for her. And I felt real bad when you lost your moo-moos and you got your tracksuits. Uh, Which I know the tracksuits is fine. Yeah. But I love moo-moos. So see, that was more of a personal thing yeah. for me. I own just as many moo-moos as tracksuits okay, currently. Now that said... I needn't have worried because you can jump into Three's company whenever yes! you goddamn feel like it. So I'm going to be Larry now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a velour. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. 100%. I look more like Larry than 100%. Helen Roper anyways. Oh my God. So that made me very happy. So it was a real, this is a real roller coaster for yeah. me uh, uh, as a podcast host. <laughs> you have a beautiful house in Hawaii. Okay. Fantastic. Okay. Cool. You have, uh, we've already covered the Godfather. You, uh, in your spare time, you're also a uh, sort of street justice reporter, which, yes. by the way, I really want to see in the tracksuit because I think that's fantastic. Oh, my God. Like, really get it done. Yeah. Um, after you do all this uh, important work, you can sit down for a beautiful, delicious, uh, vibrant plate of antipasto. Oh. Every I just got you food horny. Whatever you want there. Yeah. Ditto. And uh, you are uh, you are getting your spiritual uh, side fulfilled by none other than Buddha. Yes. And your relationship slash sex side fulfilled by Ryan Gosling. Yeah. So I acted like it was a question. Oh, so maybe I'm with Will, but fine. I fuck Ryan Gosling. Well, there on the you side. go. That's absolutely fine. Great. Hundred percent. And I, I appreciate that you love your boyfriend enough that you wanted him to be a part of this uh, fictional Isn't that future. Nice? I think that's and if quite anyone darling. listening cares, because I have been trying to figure out how to bring straight justice into my life. Yeah. Would you watch videos of me in a tracksuit? I'm not even kidding. Yeah. Doing street justice. Yeah. I mean, I certainly would. Okay. This might be. I'm not. You, because I mean, I've got to be honest with you, I just finished Luke Cage on Netflix and I have zero interest in Iron Fist. So maybe I need to just come right over and watch Julia Rossi doing Street Justice. Street Justice in a I, I'm co- this is you're me, my new superhero. This is me copywriting. Okay, great. Right now. Great. It's been great. said, guys. Okay. This is like her FedExing this envelope to herself. For those of you who haven't written something and you don't know that that's a thing, it might not even be a thing anymore, but now it's been said. Thank you so much for doing the Thank podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to know you. Yeah, I'm this delighted to know you. This is only the beginning. I know you're going to be going back to New York, but uh, but I just can't say enough good things about this woman, everybody. So check her out, and um, I will talk to you next time on the podcast. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by The Amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com. What? <laughs>